0: Hi, welcome to the Seattle Mama Doc podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all know that it's so hard to perfect parenthood and sometimes we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. I'm here with Dr. Beth Abel. Beth, hi. How are you? <laughs> She's a professor of pediatrics was long ago believe it or not, like 15 years ago, my attending um, in the newborn nursery. She was also my attending at Harborview, which is our uh, level one trauma center here associated with the University of Washington. She's an expert. She's been studying how car accidents, car crashes, and child safety restraints, including seatbelts, booster seats, and car seats, and now even distractions like using your cell phone in the car, how they lead to crashes that kill pedestrians and kill kids. And she's worked with government by changing the laws, and she's worked in a research capacity, um, not only to take care of children in the trauma center, teaching residents and medical students how to do a better job advocating for change, but also really figuring out what is it that kills people and what can we do about it and how do we make change. And so I think um, we are sitting here amongst a giant who can help us understand how to use a car seat well, what goes wrong and how Easily to
1: make sure we don't negotiate with our kids safety in the car. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Wendy Sue. And I should say my goal is not perfection. It's just doing better. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's that's like
0: all of parenthood. (laughs) But I think to your point, like, you know, we can, we can, you know, like we can kind of break our own rules about Doritos and we can do that maybe about TV here and there. But when it comes to the car, it's kind of a non-negotiable.
1: Yeah, you know, it's just so much easier to be consistent on those few issues that are truly life and death, which is, is for the car. So I think just from a parenting perspective, you know, most crashes happen where you drive, which is near your home. So we just have a such easier time when the rule is that you've got to be buckled up in the right seat every trip, every time. Um, and it's, it's like letting your kid, you know, get a lollipop at the checkout of the grocery store. You're going to be harassed about that for months. (laughs) If you do it once, you're host. You make yeah, make an exception. You you own that now for months and months. So here, just be being consistent, setting up the right thing and making it easy to do the right thing is the key.
0: Yeah, and what I learned from you when I was a trainee long ago, now that I'm old, was, you know, ultimately it's not just that um, (laughs) it's not that parents avoid this or just are are lazy, right? Every parent wants to be good at this. They may not understand the implications Mm -hmm. or they may use the seats or the opportunities of seat rear facing at least until two and after, and then a booster, et cetera, then sitting in the back seat and seatbelts the right way. So let's run through it by age. So let's talk about after birth. You know, what
1: What do we do and how do we do it well? So many parents will use those portable car seats, which is fine. The kids need seats. to be uh, rear facing and they need to be correctly installed. But a lot of times families are now moving just sort of skipping beyond that to the seat that gets installed in the car. And the reason for this is that one of the things that's new is that the American Academy of Pediatrics has looked at the data, and kids are safest rear-facing until they're at least two years of age. And so now you've got a bigger kid. So those are bigger seats. The, the good part about it is that when you buy that seat, it stays in the car, get it nice and installed. Um, you can use that same seat and have it turn forwards when your child is able to graduate from that so you you're actually going to save money in the long run by having the seat that yeah stays so you're
0: in the talking car. about these convertible seats mm-hmm. but you mean that but you, you mean that people are avoiding even using the bucket seats and they're starting with these permanently more permanently installed seats in the car itself in
1: our clinic that's what we give out to, oh, to newborn moms yeah. but you know it depends on on what you want to do and your resources and so on yeah
0: and just to highlight that you know I mean i remember when I was first doing a lot of media on the new recommendations it used to be that we said, oh, keep your kid rear facing till one. And then we realized you were 75 times, you know, more likely to die in a car accident facing the front of the car between age one and two than if you were facing the back. So that if you think about a quick slowdown and the way that the seat holds a baby or a toddler's head and neck. Uh, in that position in a safe way, staying facing the back until at least two is the goal. And some kids can stay rear facing like they do in Europe longer if the seat accommodates their weight and height rear facing. And all seats are designed to have that information stuck on the side of the seat so you can look at that. That's right. So converting let's say now we're talking about this kind of preschooler hyper annoying messy kid who screams and rants and tantrums in the car and now they're facing the front in those maybe convertible seats. Mm-hmm. Um what's what are some kind of what are some
1: good truths to know about what do we do well in that time? Mm-hmm. What do we what Actually, can do right? Actually, I that's a great point. Actually, we're doing so much better in general. I mean, that's families great. are getting this. We've seen big improvements in car seat use and seat belt use over the years. And I can only tell you, it pays off. I have <laughs> so many crashes at Harborview where somebody's injured in the front, you know, the driver's injured, and that kid in the car seat. Uh-huh, in the middle seat in the back. <laughs> is a rose. You know, that <laughs> car seat protects you as a yeah. little safety capsule and you stay in your spot and then all the clever features of the car go to work to protect you. you and save you. So that's what the good restraint system, the optimal restraint system does. It keeps you in place so that the rest of that technology does its job to save your life. And I love it. You know, I've seen some of these terrible crashes. But so really, I think for the for the younger kid that in the forward-facing harness seat, it's to use it. And I'm saying use it every trip now. Many of us, including my family, we depend on an extended web of people uh-huh. to schlep our little lovely children from place to place. Yep. And where I see troubles often is in that secondary vehicle, grandma's car, uh-huh. Neighbor's um, babysitter, car. Uh-huh. dad who's visiting for the weekend. You know, as if you make this a rule that this is absolutely what has to happen, you set that expectation, um, you know, sometimes it's worth just buying an inexpensive car seat, which mm-hmm. still works great. Yep. Maybe it's not as comfortable, but it works great. And just install it in your babysitter's car. You yep. install it in Grandma's car yep. because it's a hassle to do it, yeah. and it's the hassle that you don't want your kids' life to be. Yeah, we, I joke, and I, and I'm not exaggerating here. I have
0: a mountain of booster seats in my garage in the summer when school's not going because I put all these booster seats, even for the kids I drive, not just my kids in other people's car. It's the carpoolers and the unexpected carpoolers. So there are plenty of low cost boosters that do their job by raising. So we, sorry, we were just talking about um, the you know the harness seats for toddlers after age four about right you can typically move to a booster seat after your child by height or by weight ages out of those convertible seats but I'll tell you my kids sat in those latched harness seats well into them going to elementary school yeah they are
1: if you fit in them and you meet the weight and height requirements still they are the safest
0: yeah and they're like a little throne
1: I mean kids love it because they can see out so much more they're way up high right yeah. Which, again, they then avail themselves of the protection systems, which were built for the adult-sized person because yeah. they, they're now the size of that seated person. Yeah. So the booster seat, how does that work? It works by lifting up the kid so that the seat belt fits that child in the way it was intended for an adult. Um, the shoulder belt stays in place. Kids aren't tempted then to put it behind the back or neck. And that's critical to restrain the top part of the body. What we see at Harborview all the time, and this is even true for the eight, nine, 10 year old co- child mm-hmm. who is not yet four foot nine, right. is a constellation of injuries we call seat belt syndrome. And it's really when the kid doesn't fit the belt. And that pattern is the child flexing over the lap belt and the intestines popping like a balloon, spine flexion injuries where you get spinal fractures as they flex over that lap belt, and head injuries which can kill you. So that. So and let me clarify, Beth. Mm-hmm. Let me clarify to So what what
0: she's talking about is jumping too quickly um, from a booster into just a seatbelt. It doesn't allow That's the seatbelt right. to be on the top of the thighs, right on the center of the sternum or the chest bone, and properly have the belt on the shoulder because kids will throw it behind them, and and that that force ruptures that tummy, bends the spine around it, and you get this syndrome of profound injuries that it could include the head because the child's thrown across the car in a way that they wouldn't be if they were up in in that booster because all the booster does is kind of it's like sitting on. i mean it's like sitting on a phone book it's just lifting them up so the belt's in the right place Mm -hmm. um and and when it's not you know throwing a kid just in a car with a seat belt too early puts them at
1: significant risk that's right it lifts you up but then they also have the device to reroute the belt path to keep you safe and so just like you said i love booster seats they work super well They protect against side impact crashes, front impact crashes. They really um, help, but they're also inexpensive. They're easy to carry in your trunk. They're easy to keep in your garage. And again, as you pointed out, the issue is consistency. So one of the things I ended up deciding was that if somebody else was driving my child, I would say, oh, you know, thank you so much for bringing Elena home from the pool. Um, Do you have a booster seat for her or should I leave one for her? That that was what I developed because it just Saying turned this out. This is what we'll do. Yeah, it's either one. I was, you know, again, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised, but I was surprised a lot of people who I know are great parents and smart people and sensible people still allowing their kids to get out quickly. So uh-huh. this was my way of basically hopefully in a nice way, setting my expectations that my child still needs to ride in the seat yeah. when she's in your car. And
0: that law, just as, a, as a, a memory, is that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, my kids ate so they, because the law says they can be out of a booster seat. The reality is a lot of eight-year-olds are not four foot nine. And four foot nine is a generalization, but it's a good one because it just shows the size of that human being and how they need to be repositioned with the belt. So a really easy tip, literally measure out what four foot nine is, put a line on the wall, and it's non-negotiable you your kid is up and over it, that you guys determine that they can ride without a booster in the back of the seat. Okay, and then the next law, so once kids are in seat belts, they're in the back seat, and then we recommend that they stay in the back seat until at least age 13. Mm-hmm. That a lot, I mean, I can't tell you how often I see these little kids in the front seats. I mean, it kind of, all the time. I mean, today in carpool line, I saw that. And I, how, what is it that parents should know? Why do kids need to stay in the back of the car
1: until at least 13? It's just a much safer, you're, you're farther, it's a couple things, but you're farther away from these really serious frontal crashes. And you know, when you're little with little legs, you um, slouch and you um, are also sitting closer to, you know, the airbag, to the windshield and um, the engine that gets pushed back into you. So the back seat is safest. You know, you can still have a conversation back there. Again, the problem with the conversation is probably put put your phone down and have your kid put, <laughs> put her phone down too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that I think, um, the backseat is important for me. It was a little easier cause it sort of solved the problem of who gets to ride shotgun. Cause nobody did until somebody was old enough. Yeah. And then that person got to, so it just, you know, it also solved a lot of Familiar arguments. And, yeah. And yeah, it's like the remote control or like exactly. So we had a clear rule and you know, that is frankly, it's again, helpful to say it's the state law and that's why. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that can back you up Mm -hmm. as a parent. I I often will tell families that, you know, ultimately we'd all be so much safer to your point from earlier, of what you see in a trauma center, that the child that's the, the person in a car accident that typically is a rose is protected is in the bubble of this car seat. That if we were all in rear facing bucket car seats that had these, you know, key bolsters, then the car safety devices around us, this kind of bubble of air and protection that's built and collision and bumpers and everything else would do its job. But, as a reminder to families there's no rush to advance in that each and every time you advance you decrease that throne of safety so a child going from for, you know rear facing to forward facing going from forward-facing full harness to forward-facing booster, going from booster to seatbelt, and then from seatbelt in the back to seatbelt in the front seat, every time you make one of those transitions, you decrease the levels of protection you're providing. So there's no rush if they still fit
1: into the car safety restraint. That's right. And I just remind myself, it's so much easier to keep your kid in that seat and, you know, advance them yeah. than it would be to try to, to make an exception and go backwards. So this is just, you know, from a parenting perspective, again, just saying, okay, there are no exceptions to this. It makes it easy for you. You will have fewer arguments in the future. And it's not everything It's just when you're driving in the car because your life is on the line.
0: Yeah. So I think the optimistic t- you know, tips that Dr. Bell gives us is that we're doing a good job. You know most of us are not pulling a Britney Spears, right? We're not driving around with our kids without without a car restraint system. And most of us are starting from the very beginning. And this is just one of the things in parenthood that you never negotiate on. It doesn't ever have to get discussed. And and Dr. Belt reminds us that it isn't probably us or our partners who are driving our kids around that we worry about. It's the other people who we're so thankful help us cart our little precious people all over the globe and all over town into all these activities. So, checking in and making sure you stock yourself with extras. I mean, we always traveled with those inflatable boosters because they're small enough to deflate and even put in our luggage. I still travel with them with my 8 and 10-year-olds and and they do raise them up, they guide where the seatbelt is and they you know allows that lap belt then to be on their upper thighs, not on their belly and to get it in in the right place that just be the provider and purveyor of all of these boosters and just offer them up and have your
1: kids carry them. Just have it be part of your culture. You know, travel is a great point because frankly, The driving tends to be risky when you travel. You You know, know, you're in a place that you don't know... Often you're in a place where the rules of the road are different. Mm So, you know, rental car companies can provide this for you if you don't want to bring it. They're expensive. That's Um, why I always brought them myself. I couldn't believe what they charge us for
0: a daily booster rate. So throw them in the luggage. You know, airlines take them without. I mean, there are all sorts of things that have made it easy for families. You know, we all know, like, carrying those turtle things on our back. I mean, those stupid, huge, enormous things I used to cart around. The lovely thing is when you get to boosters, it's a little bit easier. So no question, this works. It should be non-negotiable. Keep your kids rear-facing until they're at least two years of age and until the seat. Keep them in those harnesses until at least age four or more when they can transition to a booster. Keep them in a booster till they're at least four foot nine and keep them in the back seat away from getting all those crumbs in your front seat and shotgun until they're at least 13. Expensive doesn't mean safety. They are a great list. What list do you like online, Beth? For which car seat or booster seat to buy, he has a car seat purchase guide, and I love that. It's a it's a great guide. Yeah, I remember the boosters that I used to give out to carpool partners and then people say, I can't believe this is the one that you have. And I said, it's at the highest level of safety and it's cheap. To your point about the fancy, swanky ones that are hundreds and hundreds of dollars, they may be more comfortable, but I was just getting my kids to school in a 20-minute drive in a booster. So check out those lists, use them. You don't have to spend a ton. And this is one of those things that, of course, can make us feel awesome as parents, like doing this right, non-negotiable. That's an awesome way to feel like we're kind of perfecting a tiny piece of our kids' safety. Thank you, Manny Sue. There's nothing more dangerous probably for school age kids than driving in the car, so we can reduce all those risks. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at Doc.com. Tell me what you want to learn, tell me if you want to join me, and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.